Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. Before we get started, I have to warn you, I have a severe cold. I wasn't going to record, but this case is so crazy, I wanted to get it out there. And I apologize if I don't sound like my normal self. This one is a little shorter and less formal than most. Again, my apologies, especially if this is your first time listening. Have you guys heard of this new case about Debbie Collier? I just wanted to quickly throw together everything I know about this one. I've been seeing a lot of news about her, and I decided to dive into it. This case is still developing, so there's bound to be some new updates in the next couple months. My sources are listed in the description area. This is the case of Debbie Collier. Debbie Collier is a 59-year-old woman who lives in Athens, Georgia. She is the office manager of a real estate company. We don't know a lot about her personal life except what she posts on Facebook. I did a brief look around there, and she shares a joint Facebook with her husband, Steve. She looks like a typical young grandma. There's pics of two adorable children, which I assume to be their grandchildren or nieces or nephews. It looks like it's been privatized by the family because I look today and all her posts are private now. We know Debbie is married to a man named Steve. She is a football fan whose favorite team is the Georgia Bulldogs. I can't find an exact family chart to figure out who's who, so I don't know how long her and Steve have been married for. And it appears that Steve is not the father of Debbie's two children, who are 36-year-old Amanda and 33-year-old Jeffrey. So we've got mom, Debbie, stepdad, Steve, daughter, Amanda, and son, Jeffrey, who are both adults in their 30s. A little background on Amanda and her boyfriend, Andrew. They moved to Georgia from Maryland, and these two have extensive rap sheets. Andrew is a 36-year-old former MMA fighter who was once arrested for domestic violence against Amanda. These two have both filed charges against each other, and Andrew said a lot of her claims were falsified and that she was stealing $500 a week from him to support her drug habit. This seems like the most toxic relationship ever, but they're together at the time, and this relationship is still very on-again, off-again. Jeffrey, who is Debbie's son, said of his mother, She spent her time enjoying and making art. She valued listening to, dancing, and singing along with her favorite music. My mother consumed herself with the holidays as her focus remained on family and the value of being together over a home-cooked meal. My mother was a very vibrant and strong-minded person. She is a person who values kindness, empathy, and understanding throughout her life. She has gone through life realizing the beauty and grace in everything she sees and experiences around her. He also said she was very generous during the holidays and always showered her family with gifts and kind gestures. What we know is that on September 10th, 2022, Debbie's husband Steve comes home from work. He had been parking cars at the Georgia Bulldogs football game. His wife is not there. She was reported missing at 6 p.m. Steve tells the dispatcher, I came home, my wife wasn't here, her driver's license is still there. The rental car is gone and her daughter's here. We're kind of worried about what's happening and where she's at. I was wondering if you could send somebody over here. He also added, according to her daughter, uh, her purse is still up there with her driver's license. The only thing is that the phone is gone. And she sent her daughter a text about two hours ago saying, they won't let me go. Whatever that means, we don't know, end quote. So Amanda had reported that she received a text message from her mom that day at 3.17 p.m. that read, quote, 
They are not going to let me go. Love you. There is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door. Amanda then received a Venmo payment from her mom in the amount of $2,385. Amanda tries to call her mom, but it, she doesn't get an answer. Now, Debbie has a rental van. It's a Chrysler Pacifica van. Her daughter says she's driving a rental because her car was in the shop for repairs. The rental van was not at the house, so they assume Debbie left with it. Her debit card is also missing, but according to Amanda, her purse is still at the house. Remember, this is what she told her stepdad. At 1228 p.m. the next day, this is September 10th, 2022, the sheriff's office receives a phone call from an employee of Sirius XM Radio. He said they had been contacted by the athens Clark Police Department and asked if they could ping the vehicle. If you have Sirius XM, you can be located pretty quickly. The caller gives the police the exact location of the vehicle. They go to the location, and there it is, a 2022 Chrysler Pacifica sitting on a pull-off area on Georgia Highway 15. The car is unlocked and empty. Nothing of substance was found in the vehicle. This was around 60 miles from her home. There are woods around this area, and Amanda shows up and confirms this is her mother's vehicle. She tells police her mom has a bad back and wouldn't be able to walk very far without extreme pain. A canine unit arrives, and the search begins. They find a red tote bag and some remnants of a fire. They go down an embankment, and there she was. They find a, per a partially burned blue tarp. They find the body of Debbie Collier laying on her back. She is nude and her right hand is clinging to a small tree. She had severe burns on her stomach area. Her skin was black in some areas and bright red in some other areas from being burned. There was also an unfired bullet laying next to her as well. This area is taped off and police begin their crime scene investigation. We're going to rewind and I'll go through the whole timeline. I'm writing this on October 1st and October 2nd, 2022. So if any new developments happen, I'll have to update you guys. The timeline in this is so important, so I'll have to go through it as carefully as I can. We're going to rewind to two days before Debbie's body is found. This is September 9th. Amanda says her and her mom went to dinner and then went home separately. Steve said that night was the last time he saw his wife. She went to bed and they sleep in separate beds because she couldn't stand his snoring. Now, neighbors had reported that they heard screaming and fighting this night coming from their house. A neighbor said a family member comes to visit on the weekends and that's when you would usually hear yelling and stuff going on. Many on the internet believe this weekend visitor is Amanda and her boyfriend. Neighbors also say that this family keeps to themselves and don't interact much with others on the street. They have neighborhood cookouts and they never participate. Not that there's anything wrong with that. They're just private people or whatever. The next day, which is September 10th, Steve goes to work at the Georgia Bulldogs game and comes home to his wife missing and Amanda with the weird text messages she received earlier. Now, surveillance footage at the game did indeed show Steve was there all day parking cards at Sanford University, so his alibi is very solid. While Steve is at work, Debbie makes a trip to the family dollar store. She leaves in her rental van, and Debbie is shown on surveillance footage inside the store by herself 
between 2.55 p.m. and 3.09 p.m. She spent a total of 14 minutes inside the store. She was wearing a red Georgia Bulldog shirt. The police were able to obtain a copy of everything she purchased in the store, which was the following. A rain poncho, a pack of paper towels, a refillable torch lighter, a seven foot by nine foot blue tarp, and a reusable tote bag. Do you guys remember these items were found near her body? Remember, they found the tote bag first and her body was found near the blue tarp. She basically bought the supplies that were found in her murder. Debbie is shown walking back out to her van where she sits for 10 minutes. This is from 3.09 to 3.19 p.m. At 3.17 p.m. was when that message to Amanda was sent that the one about they're not going to let me go, as well as the $2,300 Venmo payment. We don't know if it was Debbie that sent that because it could have been someone else had her phone. We do know that it was sent during the time she was sitting in the van after exiting the store. Two minutes after the message was sent, she pulls away. Police believe she was killed right after this. She was reported missing later that night, and the next afternoon her body was found. Now, in the surveillance footage from inside the store, Debbie appears calm and not under duress of any kind. She's not looking outside at anyone. She's not whispering to the cashier that she's being held hostage or being watched. She's not looking at the ceiling cameras. I told you guys before, if you're ever taken and have the opportunity to be inside a store, look up at every camera. It also bugs me that the the husband told the 911 operator that her daughter is here and she said her purse is here. In the video of Debbie walking into the dollar store, she's carrying her purse. Police don't believe this was a suicide. No one commits suicide by burning themselves with a lighter first. These were not just small burns, too. These were severe burns on her abdomen. Debbie was also not suicidal, on drugs, or have any kind of mental illness. The police also don't believe this was a true kidnapping. Kidnappers don't let you have your phone and Venmo money to your family. Not only that, but if you're about to die and are given the one in a million chance to contact your family, you're not going to use that time to tell your daughter there's a key to my house underneath a flower pot. You're going to identify who has you. You're going to die anyway. Jeffrey, who is Debbie's son, wrote a long, lengthy post on Facebook asking for privacy and saying how devastated the family is, especially with all the graphic details coming out. He posted photos of him and his mom together on what looks like his wedding day. Debbie's sister did call police to say that a month before, Debbie was involved in a car accident. She was driving and a paint can flew off of a truck in front of her and went all over her car. She gets out and the driver comes around and says, please don't tell police I was driving. I'm on parole and one of the stipulations of my parole is that I'm not allowed to drive. He begged her not to call the police. I don't know the outcome, whether she did call or she didn't, but the only thing that police could find was that she was involved in an accident, but it was April 2022, not August 2022. Debbie's sister thought it would be important to let police know just in case that was a route that they wanted to look into. Police say they believe this was a very personal and deliberate murder. This wasn't just some random act of violence. They say her killer knew her. And why was Debbie buying all the supplies? So nothing about this case makes sense to me. 
The police gave an update at a news conference just days ago. They said in an attempt to address the suggestions of this being a suicide or the work of a serial killer, we want to reiterate that there is nothing that has come from this investigation thus far that would support the theory that this was self-inflicted or that it was a random act of violence. At this time, the investigation is leading us to the proposition that Mrs. Collier's death was personal and targeted. They also noted there was a lot of complexity with this case, and it's an unusual one. It's going to take time to gather clues and evidence. Police did get a warrant to search Amanda's house. I don't know what was found or if anything of significance turned up. All I know is that police are being extremely quiet on this one so far. This is probably a good thing so the investigators can do their job. I know we all want to know what happened, and I'm hoping something turns up very soon. The cause of death is still pending. We don't know how Debbie died, but I expect it will be released in the coming weeks. Police say her purse and cell phone were found at the murder scene, and they were trying to figure out if the Venmo payment came from her phone. The Venmo account was under her husband's name. This isn't unordinary, at least to me. I don't have a Venmo account, but my husband does. If I have to send a Venmo payment, I would just do it from his account. It was likely linked to her phone. I don't want to give my opinion right now, but many folks believe Amanda and her boyfriend may be involved because they have such long criminal histories and that the argument the neighbors heard the night before was likely them asking her mom for money and she wouldn't give it to them. Having a criminal history doesn't automatically make you guilty, though. These two are innocent unless some kind of evidence can tie them to the crime. Detectives say... The case is still very much active, and at this point, they have not ruled out any person or any scenario. Pretty much every person she knows is a suspect until proven otherwise. I'll try to update you guys with any new info as it comes out. Rest in peace to Debbie. Take care, and much love to you all.